Josh Hingston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 18th of July, 2022, the 19th of Tammuz, 5782, coming to you from just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, Israel's eternal and undividable capital. And let's be clear about that. And that's probably a good segue into most of the discussion on today's show involving the trip of President Joe Biden. He just left after three days here in the Jewish state. Afterwards, he went to Saudi Arabia, had meetings there. And now I'm not sure exactly where he is, but he is no longer here in Israel. Hope you are safe. Hope you are well. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those. You can find me on those platforms as well. Let's dive right into it. The good, the bad, the ugly. What's your take on the president's trip to Israel. How would you summarize it? Positive, negative? Are you ambivalent? Is everything going to remain the same? Any changes in the world in regard to the Jewish state following his trip? Time will tell, but let's dive into it. Yesterday's Jerusalem Post reported that Saudi Arabia will allow Israeli commercial flights over its territory, but stressed during a weekend in which U.S. President Joe Biden visited Jeddah, that it will not normalize relations with the Jewish state until a two-state solution is reached with the Palestinians. Now, is that lip service or is that how they really feel? Maybe they're throwing that in there just because they have to. They don't want to be seen as a country which turned their back on the so-called Palestinians or the Arabs living under PA control, to be more accurate. So I don't know if, if that's a bluff if that's just a safe face, or in fact, they're going to stick to those guns. The way I'm understanding the situation is that they are, in fact, preparing to allow Israeli planes to fly through their airspace as soon as this week. That is what I heard. I don't know if that is, in fact, going to happen. Uh, the Saudi Civil Aviation Authority on Friday said that it would open its airspace to all air carriers, paving the way for more overflights to and from Israel. Prime Minister Lapid called the move the first official step of normalization with Saudi Arabia. The foreign minister of Saudi Arabia, Adel Jubeir, however, said on Saturday, this country's requirements for peace with Israel are a two-state settlement, a Palestinian state in the, and this, these are his words, not mine, occupied territories with East Jerusalem as, as its capital. And we'll see what happens with that. Um, a joint communique by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia also underscored their enduring commitment to a, to a two-state solution. We heard that a lot during this trip, in my opinion, President of the U.S. talking about a two-state solution, going back to the past, going back to failed policies. It looks like that is the direction he's going to take, but I don't know how hard he's going to push as opposed to, let's say, President Obama. I don't know how hard Joe Biden is going to push um, with everything going on in the U.S. right now, with the inflation, with the high gas prices and all that, another reason perhaps why he, or maybe the main reason he traveled to Saudi Arabia, because of the oil situation. Uh, the kingdom opened its skies, Saudi Arabia, to Israelis in exchange for Jerusalem's agreement to remove the international peacekeeping force from Tehran and Sanar, Sanafer. Is that how you pronounce it? Sanafer, two islands in the Straits of Tehran. Peacekeeper's presence was part of the peace agreement between Israel and Egypt. Cairo agreed in recent years to return control of the islands to the Saudis. Egypt and Israel agreed on alternate security agreements 
on Egyptian soil several kilometers away. It doesn't seem like a doesn't seem like a major issue those two islands sitting there in the Straits of Tehran, but that is part of the deal. So you could look at this perhaps perhaps and say this is the positive effect, but was it really because of President Biden's trip? I think we talked. I think we talked several months ago. If not, perhaps I, I was writing something for JNS. I don't remember right now in terms of the behind-the-scenes relations between Saudi Arabia, the Jewish state, Jewish-American groups traveling to Saudi Arabia. In other words, I don't know it's because of President Biden. I think this was already in the works. Uh, did they seal the deal? I don't know. Did Biden seal the deal? I'm not sure. Time will tell. So maybe this is we can look at this as a, a positive, even though they're talking about the so-called two-state solution, which, of course, is a, is a failed policy and just an absolute mistake. Um, as reported here by JNS, during the last of his nearly three-day trips to Israel before flying to Saudi Arabia, President Biden met with the head of the Palestinian Authority on Friday, that's Mahmoud Abbas, to reaffirm America's commitment to a so-called two-state solution. Uh, in Bethlehem, Biden, as I said, met with the PA head. He underscored his commitment to a two-state solution on the 1967 lines with land swaps mutually agreed by Israel and the Palestinians. Again, failed policies. Remember the Oslo Accords? Uh, this is even actually further than the Oslo Accords because those didn't talk about a, or weren't supposed to lead towards a, uh, to a Palestinian state. So this is a little bit further than that. So maybe more accurately, we're talking about uh, maybe the Barak plan, the Barak plan or the Hud Olmert plan, or certainly the Obama plan, the two-state solution. Uh, during the meeting, Biden expressed that the U.S. position was that Israel that Jerusalem, rather, was the capital of Israel, but specific boundaries must be resolved by final status negotiations between the sides. The issue of Jerusalem, we're going to talk about that in a second. Biden also called on the status quo to be, to be, uh, to be maintained on the holy sites in Jerusalem. In other words, Jews cannot pray on the Temple Mount, and Arabs and Muslims can, with Jordan's role as the custodian of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So he wants that to remain the same. More and more here in this report, a contiguous Palestinian state. Palestinian people deserve to live in dignity, opportunity, all these other things. Just a copy-paste of, basically copy-paste of Obama. But while the president was talking about a two-state solution, Khad Abu Tuame, who happens to be an Arab reporter for the Jerusalem Post, this actually was published in the Jewish press. If we're talking about a so-called two-state solution, he says... This is very, very important. While the Biden administration continues to talk about its commitment to the two-state solution, a majority of Palestinians are saying they support the Islamist Hamas terror group and want to see more terrorist attack against Jews. Uh, Abu Tuame says the Biden administration is living under the illusion that the two-state solution, which would see the establishment of an independent, sovereign Palestinian state alongside Israel, is the only way to achieve peace, security, and stability in the Middle East. However... This is a big however. The vast majority of Palestinians make it abundantly clear that they do not believe in the two-state solution and would rather see Hamas, the Iranian-backed terror group, whose charter calls for the elimination of Israel to replace the PA headed by Mahmoud Abbas. And again, I'm not endorsing here Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian Authority. Hamas, of course, just outright says they want to destroy the state of Israel. And the Palestinian Authority does it in Arabic, does it in schools and in their media and behind the scenes. But of course... They don't say that outright, at least of course, certainly not in English, and not on CNN, and not to President Joe Biden. Bottom line here is 
according to Khaled Abu Tuwame, that a majority of Palestinians want to replace Abbas with a Hamas leader, which means the proposed Palestinian state will be committed to the covenant of the terror group, which does not believe in Israel's right to exist. And for those who call the PA moderate, and again, I don't believe the PA is moderate in any way, shape, or form, but the street, the, the Palestinian Authority street, those living under the PA, I'm not even talking about those living in Gaza, according to Khaled, he says that people there are turning towards Hamas and they want to have leadership as they do in Gaza, which calls openly calls for the elimination of the state of Israel. And this is the bottom line. The Biden administration needs to understand that under the current circumstances, advancing the idea of a two-state solution is tantamount to advocating bloodshed and violence in the Middle East. And that is the bottom line. That is what a two-state solution is, whether it's Hamas, whether it's the PA, whomever it is, eventually, okay, those who want to wipe out Israel will use that territory to try to do so, just like they're doing now in Gaza. A rocket was fired again on uh, on Friday night. We'll get to that as well. But Hamas, Abbas, bottom line, two-state solution equals bloodshed and violence in the Middle East. Every push for two states has ended in violence and bloodshed because it is not attainable. It is not really the goal of the Arabs. They are not talking about uh, Efrat and Bet-El. They're talking about Jaffa and Akko and uh, all the other cities on Israel's coastline. So that's really what it's about. And it's, it's amazing, um, or important, I should say, rather, to hear it from an Arab who admits, who knows what's going on in the street, who knows what's going on and sees that the Arabs do not favor peace. They're not headed in that direction. So I wanted to throw that article in there. Very, very important. We're getting back to the Biden visit on Thursday. Um, the motorcade of Joe Biden uh, decided that they were going to, was it Thursday or Friday? This is Thursday here on uh, on this in this article by JNS. I'm not sure if it was Thursday or Friday, but nevertheless, when Biden went to visit this hospital, in the eastern part of Jerusalem, I won't say East Jerusalem because that doesn't exist, in the eastern part of the city, on his car, known as the Beast, that armored vehicle the president traveled in, the flag of the State of Israel was removed. Only two American flags apparently were there, but during the rest of his stay in Israel, there was an Israeli flag and an American flag on his car and all the cars of the motorcade. Um, Of course, when he went to Bethlehem to meet with the Palestinian Authority head, There they put a PLO or a PA flag in place of the Israeli flag. But in Jerusalem, and the fact that Mahmoud Abbas, not Mahmoud Abbas, rather Joe Biden, the president, when he went to visit this Augusta Victoria hospital, the fact that he went there without any Israeli officials accompanying him, the fact that he went there and took the flag off the car, even though Biden said there's no change in the status of Jerusalem, this is definitely a sign. And it's a sign of weakness more than anything else. It's a sign that the Americans, this administration at least, actually doesn't believe that Jerusalem is the eternal undivided capital, even though they're saying so, of the state of Israel. Or they would leave the Israeli flag on the car in Jerusalem. Okay, Every gesture here in the Middle East means something. Every gesture matters. Okay, and these are predetermined decisions. 
the decision to take the Israeli flag off isn't something that just, they just did spontaneously. It's a predetermined, premeditated decision. And it should say something about where President Biden and his administration stands. Here's uh, Danny Danone, World Likud chairman, former Israeli ambassador to the UN on the front page of yesterday's J-Post, saying from the start it was clear that Biden, the first sitting U.S. president to visit symbolic Palestinian authority institutions in East Jerusalem, was signaling that Israel's sovereignty in Jerusalem was in question. Today's pictures of his limousine on its way to East Jerusalem without the Israeli flag that had been flying at its helm until now highlights the message he's trying to send, that the sovereignty of Jerusalem, Israel's eternal capital, is on the table for negotiation. That is Danny Danon calling out the Biden administration and saying, that's exactly what you're saying. That's what you're saying by taking down the Israeli flag. And I agree with Danny Danon. But what's going to be as a result of these actions? Again, they're, they're frustrating, they're upsetting, and they certainly uh, show us where the administration stands in terms of the return to the Obama years. But is anything going to come of this? That is, that is the ultimate question, and time will tell. We'll see. However... However, something that is happening right now um, is Biden's pledge to fund refund UNRWA, $200 million. He pledged to the UN Relief and Works Agency, of course, UNRWA, which doesn't resettle any Arab refugees in the countries where they are. But yes, UNRWA, in fact, and this is proven that UNRWA spreads hate education in their classrooms, in the areas and neighborhoods that they control. And supporting UNRWA is a terrible mistake. And the Trump administration, of course, stopped funding UNRWA because of, number one, just the mess of the, of the organization that it is. And number two, the fact that this is a, an organization committed to not helping the so-called refugees and their descendants, not alleviating any of any potential suffering they are uh, undergoing, but continuing to leave them in their situations, which they're in right now, so that in their minds, one day they will so-called return to Israel, the so-called right of return, um, essentially destroy the Jewish state. And that's the goal of UNRWA. And the Biden administration, this will uh, bear fruit, uh, spoiled fruit, to be clear, $200 million pledged to UNRWA. And he also pledged, I think, $100 million in aid, according to JNS, for medical projects for uh, Arabs, just for Arabs, in the capital of Israel in Jerusalem. Jews can't take advantage of this $100 million in aid for medical projects, but Arabs can, and $200 million for UNRWA. That is very, very upsetting. Right now, that is happening. I mean, I don't know when actually the money is going to be transferred, but that pledge is just re reviving an organization committed to the destruction of the state of Israel and it's very, very unfortunate that we're going back to that. This is what Amir Avivi, the CEO of the Israel Defense and Security Forum, told Fox News. He said that refunding UNRWA would not solve so-called Palestinian suffering. It, it, quote, it, it internalize, eternalizes the refugee status of Palestinians. It is the only UN institution that provides eternal and hereditary refugee status to one group, unlike any other group in the world. The right thing to do, said Avivi, for the benefit of the Palestinians, as well as ending the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, would be a planned and gradual closure of UNRWA, not additional funding. I agree with Amir Avivi from the Israel Defense and Security Forum. We need to stop funding UNRWA 
for all the hate that they spread, and we need to close UNRWA and solve the so-called, again, if I say so-called refugee crisis, because they're the only group that somehow the Arabs who fled here in 1948, remember when they tried to wipe Israel off the map and throw all the Jews into the sea, and they failed, and they fled, a lot of them. They're the only group where refugee status somehow goes down to the next generation and the one after one after that and one after that. So, uh, yes, close UNRWA, do not refund it, but that is not where we are. Another issue on the table, I don't know how much uh, it was in the discussions, was the desire of the Biden administration also to reopen the consulate in Jerusalem for the so-called Palestinians or the Arabs. But you have a letter here um, written by a resolution, rather, by 22 House Republicans opposing. This is led by New York um, Republican Lee Zeldin, uh, member of the House of Representatives, opposing Biden's proposal to reopen the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem for the Palestinians, so-called. Again, this if it, this would come to bear fruit, and I, I don't see it happening right now, but it, it was potentially on the uh, on the agenda, this would be another sign that the Biden administration does not believe that Jerusalem is the united, indivisible, undivisible capital, indivisible capital of the Jewish state of Israel. So again, that's that's my take on the on the Biden trip here to Israel. Some positive, a lot of negative, and what will actually come of it? Uh, we'll find out. The Jewish press reported yesterday that an Israeli policeman, 29-year-old Sergeant Major Sergeant uh, Sergeant Major rather Barak Mishulam, uh, was killed. Some say murdered at a roadblock at the Ranana Central Junction. He was run over and killed early Sunday morning by a 17-year-old Arab car thief from Ramallah. The Arab was driving a vehicle he had stolen before from the Gush Dan area. There was a roadblock set up, and then this Arab from Ramallah ran over 29-year-old Sergeant Major uh, Meshulam, leaving behind a wife and two young children. Just a terrible, terrible story. And uh, emotions running high, understandably, at his funeral. Um, family members blaming the uh, Minister of uh, Internal Security, Barlev, and the police chief for not allowing the police to be more heavy-handed when it comes to this type of behavior. But just a terrible, horrible, horrible story. Um, and, I mean, by, by today, I mean, they're calling it murder. They're saying he deliberately ran over the policeman in order to get away. Uh, but he was caught, the suspect arrested, um, and hopefully he will never see the light of day again. Um, you know, you could argue for the death penalty, but Israel uh, doesn't really do that. The Jewish press reports, we again, at the beginning of the show, we mentioned the uh, Hamas rockets, which were fired again on... Friday night or early Saturday morning. Uh, in response, Israeli military forces attacked two Hamas rocket, rocket manufacturing sites in response to rockets fired at southern Israel from Gaza early Saturday morning. I believe it was a total of four rockets fired, uh, including towards uh, Ashkelon. One of the rockets was intercepted by the Iron Dome. This is at 1 a.m. Friday night. Imagine wherever you are in the world, you're sleeping Friday night. If those keep Shabbat, 
it's Shabbat, and all of a sudden you have to run for your life to the shelters. Um, it's been happening now for over 20 years in Israel. That is the reality. Um, thank God the uh, rocket, which would have hit Ashkelon, intercepted by the Iron Dome, and others fell in open areas. Now it seems like there are once every two weeks, once every four weeks, another rocket is fired once a month, twice a month. And as we say, and again, it's just a cycle of stupidity here, uh, not a cycle of violence, because I don't believe in that. It's uh, crime and punishment. That's more accurate. However, Israel, according to Times of Israel, said that it was freezing a planned expansion of work permits for Gazans by 1,500. They were decreasing the work permits by 1,500. This is the response to the terrorists firing rockets. So we still let 15,500 uh, Arabs from Gaza into Israel for work. And uh, it's not going to go up by 1,500. How many days? Uh, one day, two day, three days until Israel decides, caves and decides, okay, we're going to go reissue those permits. It's just a matter of time, folks. It's a, oh, we do this again. Cycle, cycle of stupidity. They fire rockets. We attack. Apparently this time we attacked a, a more significant target. But nevertheless, you know, we attack a target. We decide to w withhold work permits, withhold the uh, or restrict the uh, fishing rights off the coast of Gaza to X amount of miles, nautical miles. We do that for a few days, and then we'll go back and we'll reissue those permits. Mark my words, okay? By the way, those 1,500 permits, that was supposed to be part of a gesture to President Biden, amongst other gestures, which were you know, terrible, including additional legalization of illegal building and, and uh, the ability for Arabs living in uh, the PA to build more in Area C, essentially fulfill their desire to take over strategic areas in Area C. And that, this was a present Israel was giving, a goodwill gesture, they call it. I call it a concession, which could endanger Israelis. I know in Gush Etzion, Gush Etzion will be essentially blocked off from Jerusalem in many different directions if, in fact, Israel does go forward, and it could happen at any time. At any time, Israel could go forward with, I think, the other six different plans which were given approval by uh, the Israeli establishment, by Defense Minister Gans and the civil administration, six master plans for Arabs to build on in, uh, different land that they've already encroached on, expand illegal communities and whatnot in Area C, which is under Israeli control. So that is, that is something that's on us. That's not on, on President Biden. That's on our government. Okay, And a lot of this, by the way, I should stress, even with the Biden trip, maybe I didn't stress it at all or not enough, certainly, that a lot of this comes, you know, falls on our head. How will our leaders respond to the threats, to the rocket attacks, to uh, the pre even the president of the United States? Will we stand firm in what is necessary for Israeli security, for Israeli sovereignty, or will we fold in order to please world leaders, whether it's President Biden or the EU or whomever, who are obsessed with the tiny Jewish state of Israel. How will our leaders respond? Maybe I should have started the show like that, asking how will our leadership respond to President Biden's demands, his trip? I know we made these horrible gestures beforehand. And in this case, getting back to where we were, I just went off topic there a little bit. I mean, it's all related, but these 1,500 permits. Today is Monday. My guess, if I was a Vegas betting man, I would predict Wednesday, by Wednesday, Thursday, if there's not another rocket, we'll go ahead and reissue the 1,500 permits. My prediction. Who, anybody else out there, if you have a different take on this, if you want to put down a little money, want to make a little bet, or let's keep it friendly, a gentleman's bet. 
or a gentlewoman's bet, any way you want to take it. By Wednesday, Thursday, I bet that Israel once again opens and caves and allows those additional 1,500 permits to be issued. Just my prediction. Um, the Jerusalem Post wrote it, uh, reported about a Turkish Jewish cemetery, which was desecrated over the weekend. That is, uh, we'll call that this week's anti-Semitism report. Not a lot of details, but there's a picture there of, uh, it's an ancient Jewish cemetery there in Turkey where the uh, headstones were overturned. The article describes all of the security which they have there. Apparently somebody's supposed to watch over, but who knows what the case is. Bottom line, Jewish cemeteries being desecrated in different parts of the world, and in this case, in Turkey. Uh, let's finish on some positive news. The World Games, an international multi-sport event comprising of sports and sporting disciplines, many of those which are not, uh, which do not happen at the Olympics. They have all these kinds of sports there. I think that they gave up on completely, exclusively non-Olympic sports because I saw like Israel did well in rhythmic gymnastics and other sports which are in fact in the Olympics. But these are games which were held in Birmingham, Alabama, the World Games, Every four years, they're usually held a year after the Olympics. Over the course of 11 days, Israelis win 13 medals at the World Games. I don't have the fullest in front of me, but ILTV reported that Israelis won 13 medals. Congratulations to everyone who did exceptionally well. Coming home with a lot of, uh, a lot of gold, silver, bronze. Coming home with a lot of bling, as they say. Uh, the Israeli team at the World Games in Alabama and Birmingham. So congratulations to them. And that's going to do it. Uh, congratulations to all of us. They represent us. And that's going to do it for today's show. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Let me know what you think of the show. Love it, hate it. Um, your opinions, your voices. I would love to read your emails on the air. If you give me permission, happy to do so. Um, coming to you again from just outside the old city of Jerusalem on this beautiful Monday in the Jewish state of Israel. Big shout out and thank you to Benjamin Bresky, Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Um, get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn also, by the way. I don't even mention LinkedIn. I don't really check it that much, but you can get in touch with me with LinkedIn as well. Most importantly, between now. And when we speak again, please God, next Monday, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom from beautiful Jerusalem, eternal capital, undivided capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Rejuvenate yourself with Rejuvenation, hosted by Eve Harrow. New episode every Tuesday on the Land of Israel Network. Each week, Eve interviews a new fascinating person, highlighting their personal stories. That's Rejuvenation with Eve Harrow, connecting Israel's past, present, and future on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.